the Demon Dust Podcast, dedicated to the His Dark Materials, BBC, HBO television series, based on the works of Philip Pullman, is hosted by Travis Bryant and Rich Fan II, powered by the South Congress Podcast Network. Another episode of the Demon Dust Podcast. This is the season two premiere of His Dark Materials. Travis Bryan and Rich Fan back after just under a year uh, reviewing and recapping the His Dark Materials BBC and HBO TV show. Rich, what's happening? Welcome back. Not much. Yeah, it's been a year and we're back on the dusty trail going mm-hmm. to work. And uh, looking forward to talking about this premiere and, uh, as our good friend Friday mentioned, the the money that HBO has dropped as the sugar daddy to the BBC to make this look brilliant. <laughs> yeah, the production, which was all, which was pretty top notch <laughs> as far as like visually, uh, is is even more improved. It seems um, we've we got a lot of. A lot of pan, a lot of pantaliming, demon action, changing, you know, from one form to another. I, I think the trade-off from this season to last season, the big issue was, last year was, in season one, where are all the demons? We don't have, a, not enough demons on screen. Like, you would have a, a, a shot where, like, it's a city shot or multiple people on screen and you don't see their demons fluttering, flying, or crawling around. And it was just a matter of production, or, or, or of cost. And that's something as a as a fan, as a fan of the of the show and one, wanting everything uh, portrayed as close to the books as, you know, possible or, you know, it's something you just have to understand. Like, they don't have all the money in the world that stuff costs money. Uh, the set, these top-notch actors, the production other than the demons is all, again, on par with some of the best stuff. So don't complain. Although demons are a big part of... The, I don't want to diminish you know, the demons. People had, an, had a real... That's a real concern, a real problem people had with... Uh, it's not something to be dismissed. But mm-hmm. because we're in Chittagatze this year for book two, uh, The Subtle Knife, there aren't a ton of demons. It's just Pan. And so the trade-off is, hey, we can feature the hell out of Pan. If it's just him, oh, the cost on that are negligible, I'm sure. It's it's just a matter of of having so many demons on the screen, especially at one time in one in one scene. And this year, it's just you know Mrs. Coulter and the Magisterium. They'll have their uh, their scenes, and we'll see you know, their their demons here and there. But the action, the real like stuff you look forward to, it's it's just Pan. So there's a bit of a trade-off this year. Yeah, and I think there's a little bit more adventure 
in terms of what they can do with Chittagatse as opposed to what we saw in season one in terms of uh, doing stuff in daylight because I think a lot of times with visual effects it's a lot easier especially if you're going cheaper to do it at night so with them you know obviously with a lot of the things that have to happen in Chittagatse you have to do it during daylight so they have to get pan right and it looks like so far they have yeah they've even uh, I kept hearing about Red Panda I did not know what, what people were talking about until the end of this episode. Uh, you get the most adorable demon, f- Pan's most adorable demon form uh, to date. I don't think that was even referenced in the book. I could be, I'm not sure if he ever turned into a red panda or whatever that that was. I'm not sure how he has access to how how. Either uh, Pan or Lyra. The DLC. Well, isn't the gimmick with the demons? It's like whatever, whatever you you have access to, or like not access. That's a bad way of putting it. But it's like whatever animals or whatever is in your realm. Like you're not going to have. You're not going to be born in Sweden and have a tropical demon, right? Or could you? I right. guess if if you if you if you're just that creative or that warm as a as a as a you know a teenager or you know pubescent prepubescent teen. I don't know. That's uh, I guess that's 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 cause for speculation. We we talked a lot of the a lot of my uh, issues with demons or or that I like to bring up is the size. Like, would it, you can't just have a, a gorilla or a rhino or. <laughs> You know, some kind of giant demon, and try to take the subway with right. uh, with a big old, even Stalmeria, even Azrael's demon, a big snow leopard. How would you travel with her? How would you? Carefully. How do you? How do you carpool with, with demons? Especially with not being able to touch him. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has to sit. Yep, that'd be weird. Um, but uh, let's get to the episode. Um, before we, we get into any of the, the details, overall thoughts, um, just an, a vague uh, kind of thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, thumbs down kind of idea for the premiere, uh, I, I season th- two premiere. I thought this was a thumbs up. I know you said we're not necessarily going to go over like details in this quick review right now before we kind of dive in. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought it was a great job of kind of like opening uh, Iris on a on a, a a telescope and seeing just how big everything is. It isn't just a little girl on an adventure now. It is world and worlds. And so seeing that was really cool. Yeah, the there's there were major differences how they did this episode with how book two started. Uh, the opening scene, if we jump right into it, uh, Lyra's. I, I guess the. She's just uh, found somewhere to some like weird forested area to like in some yeah. cave or whatever, lying with Pan. They show her traveling. It's raining. She has to like hide out in another cave to stay out of the weather. She's crying. She's scared. Uh, but she's making her way through this jungle type area. It's certainly. <laughs> jungle type area is a bit much but but there was certainly a bit of exotic looking foliage it wasn't just like she was in some woods 
There were like palm leaves and you know, I'm like one, this is all new. This is all their idea of because the book two starts where where she's just in the city. It's almost as if the tear opens up in the city. Uh, according to the TV, the tear opens up in you know the middle of some uh, wooded tropical yeah. area of part of the. It's in Chitigatse, The way they they visualized it was not anything I had in mind. It's like no. There are cities in the world that look like it. I just don't have. I don't know. It's the cities built like a ziggurat. So if you if you look up what a ziggurat is, like kind of like a pyramid. Oh, sort of like an exaggerated version of um, of the like favelas almost in Brazil, like just kind of spiraling, going up. Maybe I'm I'm kind of combining like if you take a ziggurat and the favelas I think they're called like the Brazilian ghettos, mm-hmm. that's kind of like what what Chittagatze to me looks like. And I'd never like in reading the book got that the way they like I wonder what made them uh, visualize it the way they did. Even even the tower, which in the book made it made the Tower of Angels, it was very kind of old timey and and like you could see all of the like they made it seem like it had it's one of those structures that's been around since 1630 and you know you could see that it's just this really old you know four or five hundred year old building with the with the with the blocks with the stone stone work but this was like some super modern sleek thing that's clearly kept up not not some old tower that's been standing for you know almost 500 years with not a ton of upkeep. Uh, so just visually, they they uh, they struck out like kind of not on their own, but certainly their 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 version of Chittagatse. It was good. I am not complaining. Mm-hmm. It doesn't sound like that. This was it was very good. And how Lyra starts at the bottom of Chitt like soon like she comes out of her forested beach tropical area and now is at the bottom of this pyramid ziggurat thing with uh you know the city is built into this pyramid going up and it's like okay let's uh start climbing to the top of this thing and you get the idea that uh like Chittagatse in the book nobody's around it's it's a completely abandoned city and uh yeah, so in this opening scene, you get her, you get Lyra searching, you get the Magisterium with all their zeppelins uh, searching the mountaintop where Azrael ripped a ripped a tear in the, in the in the universe. We get the witches looking like they're organizing and and getting together and uh, continuing uh, their their fight and taking sides. Got a lot of witch flying in this episode, uh, and uh, yeah, it looks like like she's in the mid, like Costa Rica or something. Uh, yeah, Lyra, like she's in the jungles of Guatemala or something. <laughs> she's trying to find her way. Well, when you mentioned the favelas, I thought about Fast. Was that Fast Five? Mm-hmm. 
that that's what I thought of instantly, and I was like, yeah, that would fit. Like she just uh, I, obviously she didn't see the rock of Vin Diesel, but yeah, going from this like arid climate, and then all of a sudden she really just walks out, and then you she walks from like the uh, the more arid climate into like Italy. Yeah, into like, into into Pyramid City, Italy. Right, like wh- I, I don't know. It just it messed me up for a minute. And how about the fact that the Magisterium has submarines? Like, it's one thing, I think, to have the level of technology to have a Zeppelin. Because we had... There there were Zeppelins, uh, you know, a hundred years ago. I kind of... But were there submarines? I guess there were. There have been submarines, I think, since in some form since, like, World War... Since, like, the Civil War. (sighs) So... But these submarines that the Magisterium have look awesome and really technologically sound. It's not some slapdash kind of steampunk, you know, pull <laughs> pull this lever and some uh who's the guy that with the with the obnoxious puzzle that does or not puzzle with the uh, I forget what it's called. The thing, the ball rolls down, kicks a thing, and the bowling ball rolls down. And the, oh, like mousetrap. Yeah, like mousetrap. But it's the the guy who created it, it's like attributed. You know, you say I, I, I just can't think of it. Um, yeah, it's not it's not that. It Rube is Rube Goldberg a, machine. Rube Goldberg machine. Yes, it is not some Rube Goldberg <laughs> submarine under the water. This is like modern as far as our look. You know, this looks like if. If you're if they did a documentary of World War Two and snuck this footage in there, I wouldn't I wouldn't be like, hey, what the what's that old clunky looking thing doing? I'd be like, oh, look at that, uh, you know. They were like the what the un uh, unknown fact was that the uh, that uh, Uruguay had <laughs> provided a submarine during World War Two for the for the uh, Axis, you know and. This was it. I'd be like, damn, I didn't know Uruguay had a submarine. Look at that. <laughs> they could have snuck that right past me. Uh, but yes, they are, things are, things are heated up. I mean, things are like if a tear in the universe happened, like exactly what you'd think. All the powers that be are freaking out all the way. Um,. Yeah, we've got. Yeah, and they seem to. I, 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 two things. One was I'm, I'm glad they avoided the trope of every time they cut to the sub, you didn't have the weird sonar sound like you would in most badly done movies. <laughs> okay, they probably don't have sonar. Wait, right? Would you have so? No, no, no. Yeah, you could be in the submarine, just don't have uh, uh, sonar. So yeah, you didn't get that hunt for Red October. Just an hour and a half of boom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that leads me to ask the question of if they have submarines mm-hmm. how does it work with your demon because again back to your your subway or your carpool analogy it's tight quarters tight quarters and as we uh have seen in the previous season a lot of them have more aggressive animals so how are you gonna have them well... locked so the okay so in that world in Liver's world especially with upper echelon folks and military folks their demons were pretty uniform 
Uh, remember the 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 um the 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 not the Egyptians, the uh, Tartars. They all mm-hmm. had like wolf demons. Like all, when they came yeah. to, to to attack the kids at Ballvanger. Uh, the soldiers, a lot of the air military guys that were diving out of airplanes, they all had like hawk and condor and like bird, you know, birds of prey or predator birds, I should yeah. say, uh, uh, fast predator bird kind of demons. So I'm sure people that would that they would get to be submarine dudes aren't going to have Great Danes or wolf right. dog demons. They're probably going to have mouse, raccoon stuff, stuff that does well in tight quarters. Because it seems Something very personality-driven, especially if you're if you're yeah. driving a Magisterium, piloting a Magisterium um, submarine, you know, you've in one sense, in some sense, made it in life. <laughs> you know, as a, if that's your given, if that's your goal, is to be like the best, you know, submarine or, or navy guy that you could be, and you're working for the Magisterium, you, you you're up there. You're you're up upper echelon guy. You're po- uh, traveling around and transporting popes and and, and important folks. So uh, I'm sure these po- these people are handpicked, and their personalities fit with what exactly they're needed for like most of the people in this world in those types of jobs that we've seen like a lot the Egyptians even had a lot of birds you know they were on water a lot of the Egyptians had uh, bird demons so uh, yeah so Lyra finds Shitagatsi she explores when did Will when did we because I'm not sure if in this first I mean, I have it on in the background, and I think I'll get my answer soon. Yeah, and that initial opening uh, after the previous, previously on, and the title screen and the cre- opening credits, you don't get to see really what Will is doing in Chittagatse. But right when they pull back after the opening credits, I think I missed this on my original on my original uh, uh, watch, but it is like a very much a coastal city. Like it is, surra- mm-hmm. it is like a little peninsula type deal. The way it jets out and has a little uh, small, like well, from this high up, it's like a small like landmass connecting the island of Chittagatse, the tower, the, the pyramid ziggurat type island of Chittagatse to the main coast. But I'm interested in what that place is. Assuming it's not just some computer generated uh, thing. Like, is that a place off the coast of, you know, Micronesia somewhere, (laughs) you know, new Papua New Guinea. Cause it looks fantastic but it also could just be some <laughs> CG thing that designers came up with would you well, think they of said season 2 hmm. is uh, let's see huh that's hilarious okay so 
they uh, I'm going to read directly from what they uh, did in their their press junket for the Radio Times. Okay. The production designer and executive producer Joel Collins explained, "We looked at 120 different towns, went by Bonn, France, Italy, Morocco, Croatia, Spain, and other kinds of places. No place fit the bill, so this is all a set constructed in Cardiff, Wales." Mm. That's insane. That's where the money went. Cash. Yep. That's where the money went. And I think people aren't going to notice that, but definitely for our listeners, take note of the amount. They basically took part of a town. And if you take a look at the size of Cardiff, Wales, and they turned it into whatever they needed to in terms of paying for the set design. Like nothing there is real. So that's that's amazing. Made from plaster and wood. So that's like, wow. No, they did a heck of a job making it look lived in making it look like all of those places like that you just said like all of those yeah i could see the you can definitely see the inspiration is obviously like italy uh morocco kind of north african southern egypt or sorry southern european kind of vibe to it like there's a bazaar somewhere mm-hmm. <laughs> you know in in Chittagatse like like they, like they have in southern Europe and northern Africa so um that's interesting to hear that's cool that that I'm because I'm I've I've got her she's walking through she sees all the spilled you know knocked over fruit stand and her and Pan are trying to figure out like people left in a hurry and they're just trying to piece piece together what's going on the fir- the first real issue i had with how they did things differently from the books besides her focusing because in the book that was the introduction to will you didn't know who will was until you opened page 1 of the subtle knife and you get to read all about if anything, you're like, who the hell is this Will kid? Where's Lyra? Like, the book one ends, she steps through the thing, and you wait... I don't know. Five years? I don't know how long it took before Subtle Knife came out after the Golden Compass uh, dropped, but... And then you open it up, and you have to... You're like, okay, new world, where's Lyra? And then you get this story about Will and his mom, and he kills this guy, and then he finds the cat and goes through the thing. <laughs> and then he runs into Lyra. This He's searching, and then this wild, this filthy guy just comes out of a closet or whatever she busts out as he's searching right. through looking for something to eat, and she attacks him. Here, she's... She like pops her head into uh, into a place, and she's searching around. And it's obviously the place Will has found and settled for himself. But he does the thing that no one does in real life. If someone's, even if it's a little girl, even if it's a young girl, is you find somebody in your yours or a place that you've called dibs on. Mm-hmm. You're going to, like, from across the kitchen or wherever you find them, like, hey, what are you, who are you? What are you doing here? You're not going to slowly and soundlessly walk up to them, unless your intention is to hurt them or to subdue them. But 
and then put your hand on them and completely scare the crap out of them and get overpowered by a 13-year-old who has no hit. How did Will get hemmed up by Lyra? Have they... I know Lyra in this version is a... In, both, in all versions, even the book version, is a tomboy and... And, and but in this one, but she's in like this, she's they're really going hitting the hitting you over the head with how rough and non girly she is, which isn't really true to book Lyra. Book Lyra, mm-hmm. um, he just wasn't so rough and tumble. She no. she was she would skin her knee and jump over roofs and take risks and 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 you know wrestle boys. But there was just, you know, she wasn't as tomboyish, if that's even the right, um, because again, I don't think that's the, because she was, so I'm not sure if that's the right uh, uh, way to try to differentiate the two, but something about TV Lyra, it's a little more, it's a little, oh, okay, it's, she's poorer, she certainly grew Mm -hmm. up harder. Yeah. Right. Like in and, the in the book and even in the movie version, Lyra J- Jordan College was not opulent, but it certainly wasn't like the season one of the, of his Dark Materials with the paints like peeling off her room walls and everything. You know, her dresses kind of you know hand me down. You know, I, I just she she certainly feels uh, harder. Like she grew up with less material things. Yeah. And can and and can dismiss, um, like Lyra in the in the book and movie wouldn't necessarily be excited to wear a dress, but once she put it on, she would like be fine in it, and you know, like that tea party or not tea party, but the party that Mrs. Coulter had. Book and movie Lyra was all about trying to move up in society and and deal with the or at least at that point of the story, but TV Lyra shunned it because you know she's like whatever I grew up poor this ain't my scene. It felt different. It felt like uh, she was meeting you know worlds were kind of colliding. Which in book and movie Lyra it was kind of like yeah I grew up with this. I choose to be rough and tumble and hang with the kitchen boy and do they'd love if I put on a dress more consistently and and said my thank please and thank you and all that kind of stuff. Um, but book uh, TV Lyra doesn't have any kind of combat skills, but she took will down with this like pretty sweet uh arm bar kind of move and and he totally yeah she slapped my dude in a hammerlock like i was like what is this and with the height difference it made it even more even more like what like how'd that happen like how'd he let that happen just from a physics again if you're trained it don't matter how big or small you are if you know how to leverage and all that but we never got that, so it was just kind of jarring to see her pull this like kind of judo, <laughs> kung fu, martial arts deal. Right. Like, what did she learn with the Egyptians and the Finns that we didn't that, that we didn't uh, didn't see? Did they allude to something off screen? Um, but she searches. She she finds uh, Will. They awkwardly introduce themselves uh, after he. Tells her I'm not here to hurt you, or I'm not. Please let me go. Don't hurt. Don't break my arm. I'm not going to hurt you. They they kind of uh, 
realize that neither of them are from this place. Pan's like, where's his demon? Lyra's mm-hmm. like, where's your demon? Will's freaking out because Pan can talk. How can it talk? Or you have a talking animal or something he called that kind of disparaged yeah. him, and she didn't like that. Uh, but but he immediately kind of cleaned it up, and and Pan Pan was Pan was like, thank you for thank you for noticing, or thanks for the compliment. Yeah. <laughs> so and Pan, but like, he knows he can't touch me, right? Yeah, yeah, because he was Will was like uh, looked like he was going to pet him or t- boop his nose, and uh, Pan at the last moment like, yeah, okay, buddy, don't no touching. Uh, <laughs> But but Will had to uh, had to uh, deal with what he saw as a talking animal, and Lyra had to kind of sort of let him know what Pan was, and also she's quietly freaking out because again, Will doesn't have a demon, and everybody they know from her world obviously has one, and it's death or something worse if you don't. Uh, so that was the. That, I, I thought that was handled well, like the introduction of 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 Pan to Will and 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 Will to Lyra. Did you think that was too cutesy or kind of right on right on the line or just right? How'd you feel about that particular scene? I thought, I thought it was on the. I thought it was on the line. They could have played it a lot cutesier, or they could have done it a lot more like found footage, born identity, just hardcore, because I didn't know how they were going to play it when they, when she went for that arm hold, and you could see the knife in the background, I was like, okay, what's about to happen here? And so I, I thought it was I thought it was a good way of straddling the friends without going too far one way or the other, and I overall, you know, that led to me enjoying it, because it, it wasn't like a meat cute or something like that. Yeah, that would have uh, that wouldn't have been good. They they I think they towed the line. They played it just right with uh, with his level of of freaking out and her level of kind of like, what's your problem, fam? And also, where's your demon? I, I thought that was all handled uh, relatively well. Uh, in the meantime, the Magisterium. We've got Father McPhail, Father McFall, and mm-hmm. all the other lesser priests, and the main guy, the the big wig, um, uh, Cardinal Stir, the, the big the big wig Cardinal, uh, with the with the beetle demon. He, as the leader, or as the, at least in of of these this group, wants to. Nothing happened. We didn't see anything. Mm-hmm. What terror in the sky in the universe? What 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 multiverse <laughs> that we can walk through if we want? Uh, and Father McPhail is trying, is imploring him in his best. Uh, you know, when you when you're talking to us, uh, uh, when you're a subordinate, and you can't even even if you're Managing right, up. even if you're completely and utterly right, you have to say it in a way that makes that placates down their their ego and and doesn't make you sound like you're trying to make them look bad or over overshine outshine them or or any of that stuff so he mcfall is doing 
that thing, and the other priests are like, well, the big guy says we should ignore it, and McPhail's like, the, the cat is out of the bag. Everybody can look up in the sky and and see what is going on. And it's this really tense scene between whatever, five men, these five old men in, this, in, their, in their stodgy tight priest robes and collars. And then out of the blue, you realize Mrs. Coulter is in the room. You know, like not hiding, just listening to the whole thing. And McPhail's like, What's your role again? Like, <laughs> he's not a fan, obviously, especially after how season one ended. He's like, uh, You know, he's trying to play her, like, uh, about she lied and said she didn't make it out. She didn't make it to the mountain, didn't make it to Azrael in time. And, um, so she's doing her slimy, you know, it playing innocent, but the whole time is like the the biggest snake in the room. <laughs> and McPhail sees through all of that, but he's got to know his station, and he can't, you know, you don't want to even say things. She's not. She's shown enough times. Coulter has that though she might not wield any kind of ultimate power. She's probably not somebody you want to get on their bad side because she just keeps managing to find herself in situations of influence, you know, where she has Mm -hmm. these uh, big opportunities. So she swoops in just ever so gracefully and intimidatingly and sweet talks the Cardinal into moving forward with what's obvious like basically we can't hide this we need to get in front of it like we can't sit back and and let other people define what's happening we need to take charge so we can control the narrative i mean it's just a smart thing to do and she's obviously the brains of all the operations she's in and it's uh, and she hands him she slides him another glass of wine like she's just being super sweet to him he holds out his ring she kisses the ring and that was a really awesome shot of McPhail in the background as as she kisses the cardinal's ring uh, <laughs> and later like we already know that that's just a bunch of bs and she's just playing him and then later we find out exactly how uh, how she's playing him and how far she's willing to go and I wish I would I should have probably read The Subtle Knife in the last couple of weeks leading up to season 2 but I think that's I think that's a liberty that they're being, mm-hmm. that they're taking, and we'll get to it. I want to try to stay in some kind of order, uh, but she kind of, uh, not kind of. She basically threatened, like, "Hey, if we take out the cardinal, you're the next man in line." Like, and we, we, uh, <laughs> we, you know, we could, uh, we could be a power, power couple in a sense, not obviously romantic, right. but uh, with you leading things, McPhail. Yeah. Um, Fra Pavel, who's in the room, who's one of the stodgy type priests in the room, mentions that they have a witch on board 
who is ready to talk and that's what uh that's what brings Coulter into the scene proper and uh like oh a witch hostage you say so not only does she want to accept and embrace what's happening because that's the only thing to do as far as the terror in the universe that Azriel made she wants permission to interrogate the witch and get information from the witch in her ways like let me go in there and interrogate her I'll get some answers and she she gets she almost gets some answers yeah, I like the fact that she first cowed most of the priests by saying, we've all failed. Mm-hmm. The only difference is, I will not fail you again. Yeah. Ooh, she it put was, on this, like, you know, just self-righteous, I will not allow myself to fail again. And, like, mm, I kind of believe her. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, she's just going to will things into existence. And it was great. It was a tour de force. Force and Ruth Wilson, as always, brings it because they needed someone in that role that could fill so many different characters, so many different uh, uh, feelings, so many different emotions in one scene. And she she changed her personality three or four times in that one scene. And it was that is the four year consideration, and we're only one episode in. Oh, it's. Not only are we only one episode in, we're only at that point, you know, 10 or 12 minutes into the episode, and it's already like, okay, she's MVP of this episode. Like, no doubt about it. So, um, the, the scene with Lyra and Will, with their first interaction, uh, she took off. Like, once they realized, again, once she realized uh, he didn't have a demon... Um, she freaked out and left and Will actually then got to see Pan change for the first time and like the look on his face when he changed from a a, a marmot or whatever some kind of his little rodent form to to a bird and flew out of the place he's like oh boy and Pan jumps on his shoulder and is like I trust him like I know you don't but I trust him like maybe we should ally with the guy and uh, then we get Lee and Hester back, and a lot of people's favorite. Uh, people love Lee Scoresby. People love Hester. I mean, she's a, a doll and a gem, uh, and the way they've nailed her in this series is perfect. Uh, the only difference in the audio, she had more of a southern accent because he was. A, they 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 emphasize the Texas era, not Texan, yeah. part of them that they don't necessarily do. I don't know if it's because Lin Manuel Miranda is like you know New York Puerto Rican, <laughs> you know, like hey do a <laughs> do a Texan Texas accent like that probably would come across as you know insensitive <laughs> Texans all over I mean, don't we talked about this mock us. <laughs> our dude Kaz Anvar on the expanse does it like a G yes but he's and a he's a, he's a he's a isn't he British yes see that's they can do American accents of all types way better than we can do any it's a it's a it's that thing of our well, he's in, Canadian He's Canadian. He's Canadian. I don't know okay. if that makes it better. Or... No, that actually takes away from my point. 
um, or not 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 completely, because our culture is exported to the world, and and in Canada gets it too. Um, so pretty much all the entertainment that the world gets, of course they have their own movies, their own shows, their own comedies and sitcoms and <laughs> soap operas and stuff, but. Our entertainment, our shows, our movie, Hollywood dominates the globe, and they get, they see us, they hear us, or our versions of us, their entire lives, and can do pretty intricate impressions. Certainly, their actors can, but soon as you ask the average American, "Hey, could you do a British accent?" Hello, governor. Like that's what you're going to get. Seventy-five percent of the time, some people might do like a more proper posh one, but you're most likely going to get some cockneyed, stereotypical (laughs) Dickensian, (laughs) you know, shine your shoes for a nickel, sir, kind of, kind of, kind of uh, accent, and we just don't do that. And so, yes, hearing that he's not American isn't isn't uh surprising but i did i thought he was an english guy <laughs> for, for the folks listening to us here's the challenge uh if you want to talk see what travis is talking about in real time and you just don't even want to see this if you watch the movie i believe it's on amazon it might be on a couple other streaming services the gentleman it has every variant in my opinion of english accents and there's so many that we oh there's we could, no possible way no 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 like like the the differences of oh that's northern that's a northern London London versus southern London or oh, the Hampshire yeah. Shire Berg like the, <laughs> yeah I mean I, I I scoff as if Amer- like as if we don't have seventy million different regional accents and 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 ways of speaking and words for stuff and you know 10 times that of the uk because we're 10 times the size and 10 times more diverse so i'm scoffing at them and there but it sounds like the same thing to us like okay a new yorker and a texan totally like we get it they live almost right. two thousand miles from each other but like north london versus south london like come on but you just go to, like I'm from Philadelphia originally. Like, well, there is a South Philly accent versus a Northeast. You know, just think of like South Philly Italians versus like Northeastern Irish folks. Just to keep it like, you know, white people in one city. Like those yeah. two people, separate uh, uh, folks, <laughs> have speak very differently, or or not very differently, but have different accents. So uh, somehow we got yeah. off on the. Oh no! It was just because, like, if you think about our acting and our actors, there's a scene in the gentleman where a bunch of like street toughs that Colin Farrell is like adopted and raised decided to rob a weed manufacturer, and this all comes back to the his dark materials because while they're robbing it, they film it and do a rap song to it, and so hearing someone rap in a in each of their accents, I'm like, nope, I'm out, I'm out, like. Good. There's no way you could fake it, like yeah. because they're saying so many things too quick. It's like my name is something. But it's like okay, nope, nope, <laughs> you win. No. Um, back in Chittagatze, Will finds Lyra sitting at the bottom of the Ziggurat city, the base of the city, uh, like throwing pebbles, and uh, and Will still obviously. A little freaked out over Pan, 
Yeah. Uh, but they've but they've managed themselves to have a a, a conversation. And he asks, you're not from around here, are you? And she's like, no. He's like, how'd you get here? He's like, I, I crossed I crossed through a window. <laughs> she, I think she <laughs> describes it. And what about you? He says, uh, I followed a cat through a hole in the <laughs> air. <laughs> and they have themselves a little chuckle. And Pan goes, two windows all connected to here? Um, and he comes to terms that he, I don't know if I'm odd for not having a demon or you're odd for having a demon but we're here let's uh, you know maybe we can hang out and stick together and, and just again she needs allies and uh, he's probably her best bet and and he humbled himself and came up and you know not humbled but he didn't sneak up on her and you know in in, in an enclosed area and and uh, scared the crap out of her uh yeah and then we get uh Coulter back on the submarine so it's a little different from the book on the book they were just on a ship and they just had the witch uh Kaya or Kira I forget her name they had her on the ship being interrogated by uh, by Mrs. Coulter a little different here it's in a submarine they're docked so they're like poking out of the you know the little top is poking out um, in a, at a dock of some sort I think I think in Bolvanger or somewhere up north because it the, the water was all icy and yeah and uh but the the torture scene essentially is it's not the same because the way they portray and the the best thing or the most revealing thing about this scene with Coulter and the witch was we get confirmation about the cloud pine because when we got the when we got the close up of not Ruta Scotty. We just met Ruta Scotty in this episode. A Serafina Pecola, and we saw her cloud pine or what looked like a tattoo of branches on her arm and back. Because my whole thing was, I didn't like that they didn't have the cloud pine. They didn't do the tr- like witches travel on a broom. And in the book and in the and in the movie that's what they had they traveled on pieces of cloud pine but on for the show the cloud pine is under your skin so <laughs> Mrs. Coulter starts pulling out twigs and pieces of her mm-hmm. cloud pine and mm. she knows without it she's not even half a witch but yeah you know she's less than a witch she's certainly not a yeah uh, yeah it's uh it's pretty gruesome the way they like they they it was really well done as far as how they had the skin she has these tweezers and she pulls the thing out of her skin and it like looks like it's a twig or a branch under her skin that gets pulled out and certainly the actor's reaction to it when she screams and faints and Mrs. Coulter's just staring at the twig like Mm-hmm. Like she couldn't believe it. Well, it was like the equivalent of the intercision 
only for a witch without the separation from your demon because they already do the separation. So it's it was some zero dark thirty stuff. Like that was wild. Again, like I said earlier, her personality shown in this too because she did the dead eyes. There was no remorse. It was just like Well, there was this like, wonder. This yeah, this curiosity, yeah. this kind of like, oh my God, I, I I can't believe I did that. Like that worked. Like she wasn't sure. Right. It was like it was like um uh when they say the old the phrase of like we uh we thought why to do instead of why why we should be doing it or something like that. You know, the old science gone amok thing of like we thought of what we should do instead of the like the import of why you were doing it as opposed to like maybe we shouldn't be doing this. With her it was just like, Oh wow, this was essential to her. Interesting. And she just like filed it away. It wasn't like afterwards she was shuddering or crying in the shower or something where it's like, what have I done? What have I become? She was just like, oh, nice. Noted. Mm-hmm. Now, what about the actress in terms of her? Do you think she went too far? Was it over the top? Or do you feel like it was... The witch? You... Yeah. Oh, I mean, she she played it perfectly. That's why I think it worked as well as it did. It's, again, at, at the moment of pulling the thing out of her arm or shoulder, she reacted as if someone was pulling out, if someone had put their hands on pan or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also, like, more, like, more, like, than the violation, but the, the pain of it, of getting torn yeah. out of your skin. <laughs> I'm sure there's a, you know process of it you know getting not tattooed but laid on you I'd like to know how they do that how do you get how would they explain how they uh, get the the branch or whatever under their skin I guess a spell or something they could just say Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I thought she hit it on the nail. The way she was all dirty and ragged, and eyes are puffy, and she's crying. Look like she's already been smacked around quite Where a bit. And, they, and she's not giving up any answers. So props to her. Um, and so it's and they did it differently in her rescue because she does get rescued by uh, Ruta Scotty later in the episode. Uh, in the book, uh, they had Ruta's infiltrate the ship and pull her cloak of uh, like basically her invisibility cloak and they describe it as she's not she she doesn't disappear because that would be that's just not a thing that you can do uh, but the spell that she casts that makes her invisible is when people look at her they find something else interesting their eyes just slide over her and they just don't register that she's there and she had to sneak and stealth stealthily uh creep through that was another thing difference coulter has her in a bows of a submarine by herself in the in the book and then well never made it to the movie but in the book she was on the ship with priest all around her watching her get watching culture torture a witch basically and Mm -hmm. other soldiers and stuff standing guard and 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 ruta scotty had to stealthily had a rainbow six herself into (laughs) into position to to take to bring uh yama akte i forget their deities their their witch deities name uh when she calls out for for her to to grant her release um 
and rooted in this in this TV did it in a way more dramatic. Uh, I'm not even sure if it's more dramatic because I think the dr- the drama and the, and the the intensity and the tenseness of her trying to sneak through the ship on in the book was really dramatic. But yeah. in this, they just had her f- f- like flying there before she could give the you know give the answer. Uh, we'll get to that. I didn't mean to give it away. Back in Chittagatze, Lyra and Will still searching the city, kind of understanding, hey, we're allies, we're in this together, let's start coming up with some ideas, searching the city. Uh, Lyra spots two girls across, you know, down an alley and calls out to them, they run, Lyra starts chasing them. They clearly don't want to be caught because the the one girl that turns out to be Angelica is throwing stuff in their path, doing the old, you know, I'm going to push a bookshelf in front of you to slow you down. Uh, <laughs> Will Pan is a bird, keeping, keeping an eye in, in the sky, following them. Will, who was caught on super late what was going on, decided to take another route to cut the girls off. Lyra, when when they when Will does cut him off, Lyra like tackles him and is like, "Why are you following us?" And Angelica and Lyra look like they want to box, and Will's like, "Look, you guys are the only people we've seen here. Who are you? Let's just talk. We're not here to hurt anybody." And uh, Angelica is is um, what's her face um, from Game of Thrones, the lady. Uh, forget what her name, but the little girl who got crushed by the giant, <laughs> and she stabbed him in the eye. She went out fighting, but y'all know who I'm talking about—the one who, who who started the ball rolling for for John when he when he became king of the North, essentially. Um, and Tulia uh, or Angelica's brother in the book, Paolo, is now Paul Paola, and and uh, their sisters. They briefly mention Tulio because uh, they they talk about the specters. They explain what the specters are. They tell Will. Ooh. They tell Will. Eh, you looking a little, looking a little. See a little. Oh. I see a little mustache trying to come in there, buddy. You getting a little. You know, they they, they only specters only mess with a, with grown ups because Will asked, "Where are all the grown ups?" And first thing they said was, "They left." If the smart ones left, the other ones got eaten by the specters. <laughs> And Paula, Paula explains, you're still alive, but everything that makes you human is gone. When Will, when Will or Lyra asks, well, what do the specters do to the grown-ups, and why can't we see them? And uh, because they're kids, and so now Angelica's like, eh, don't matter, whatever. We get to do whatever we want. The city's ours. Trying to play it off as if she's not devastated and traumatized at all the, her parents and her her obviously Tulio who who Paula Paula drops and she's like yeah just like Tulio and they're like who's Tulio and Angelica's like nobody next uh-huh. next, next topic um so they uh she uh she tells them to be careful oh Angelica opened up their soda bottles with her teeth. So they yeah, were immediately hard. getting across that Angelica will punch you in the face and then stand over your stand over your fallen body and taunt you like you had enough. 
It's like, you want more? Yeah, you want some more? I got, there's more where that came from. You know, type of taunt you. You want a knuckle sandwich type of girls. <laughs> yeah, like, she's the one who's going to show, like, if they scrap, that's that's what Lyra's going to learn. Oh, like. oh, she would have learned Angelica is not here for the play play. He's lucky, yeah. or she's lucky Will stepped in and didn't let them, like, yeah. you know, have a little scrap. Uh, yeah, like if she tried that, uh, you know, uh, uh, that little arm bar. College, yeah, the college <laughs> jujitsu. She would have caught an elbow to the face and then a two piece and a biscuit. Straight mm. up. Um, have so her they, arm beat. Stop slapping yourself. That sort of thing. So they decide. Okay, they. Um, okay, that's some information. Will pays for his drink just like he does in the book. She Lyra doesn't understand. He's like. If you don't pay for things, that's stealing. She's like, <laughs> but from who? You know, it's an abandoned city. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's determined, or not determined. Uh, he Will says, well, we can't. We, obviously, people here don't have demons. That means Pan's going to have to hide away. And he on the roof in the pigeon form or something, in the bird form, is like, I ain't hiding. Like, just straight up, like, I'm not hiding. Yeah. Yeah. I was a little pig-headed, Pan. And he sounds like a like Pan definitely sounds like you know a a growing boy. Like he doesn't yeah. sound like like in the audio in the audio book he was you know he sounded like a boy of her age you mm-hmm. know ten eleven twelve years old. Pan now sounds like he's sixteen seventeen years old. Yeah, yeah. he got some, some hair on the chest. <laughs> filling out college applications. Yeah. Next scene we get a we get a. We get Lee Scoresby, who basically earlier in the, in the episode when him and Hester first showed up, they uh, they were making their way to, for lack of a better term, Witch Island. Yeah. <laughs> so here we get a scene with a bunch of witches. It looks like maybe it's some kind of council meeting slash assembly. And... He's asking about Stanislaus Grumman and asking if anyone's heard of him. And there's rumors and there's a special object. And knowing Lyra and the trouble she's in, I I need to get this item for her and take it to her. Uh, Get her that protection. It's some kind of magical item. And... Okay, so is this a new Seraphina Pecola, or am I just being thrown off by the weird, like, feathers or whatever doodad she has in her hair? I think it's the same person, but I'm going to look it up. I should have looked beforehand. It, it, I had the same Yeah, question. I was like, who is this lady? And why is... She, I was like, she's giving him a piece of her cloud pine? That Seraphina did that. It's like, actually, but I it's, am Seraphina. It's Seraphina, it's like, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. She's just got this like peacock hairdo thing going, but she's trying to gather her forces. And like I said, she gives Lee Scoresby a piece of her cloud pine and tells him, uh, "Take this with you. Uh, call, hold it in your hand, and call out to me anytime you uh, you need you need help or if you're in trouble." And uh, he thanks her, and. She's like, you know, Azrael's opened up a, a way to another world. The child of the prop, prop of the child of prophecy is on her way. 
and we must decide which role we're going to play. And then, whoosh, out of after a thunderclap and whooshing into the middle of the council, here comes Queen Ruta Scotty. And she's like, Queen Seraphina Pecola, this man does not belong here. And uh, he's like, Seraphina's like, he's here on my honor and as my guest. Then we get a little bit of a a back and forth, little argument between Seraphina's demon and Ruta Scotty's demon. Because Ruta Scotty is like, we need to teach the Magisterium we ain't here to get pushed around. They they got one of ours because they know the witch has been kidnapped and is being held and probably tortured. We need to go get her and make them pay. And Ruta Scott and, and Serafina isn't exactly like, you know, all about the, the blood and guts and going out, you know, in the blaze of glory. Ruta Scotty clearly is. And and Ruta's just a queen of a whole different clan. She's not like queen of all the witches. So she can't just come in and unilaterally say, this is what we're doing. Serafina runs this clan. Ruta Scotty comes in, makes her speech. Time has come to show the Magisterium that their actions have consequences. And I'm I'm here to beg you, uh, Serafina and all the sisters here, join me in rescuing Katya. Uh, You know, I believe we have no choice. And, uh, you know, Seraphina's demon's like, hey, the prophecy's clear. The, you know, the child, uh, is on her way. And it's like, look, the prophecy ain't everything that there is. Ruta Scotty's gonna do what she gotta do with her without your, the help of your clan. And obviously it's without, because Ruta Scotty, her and her demon fly off to go rescue Kat, the witch Katya. And um, I, I think that's obviously the right move. I, I don't understand why uh, it was even a uh, up for discussion. Up for discussion. Yeah. Uh, the next scene with Will and Lyra, where he made her an omelet, was <laughs> was different from the books, uh, mm-hmm. but certainly held true enough to it she asks him when he brings out her omelet it's a nice little fluffy omelet with a knife and fork which she promptly ignores and picks the whole thing up and starts sniffing it and and, and poking at it like what's in this he's like eggs uh, she's like oh so you were a kitchen boy he's like excuse me <laughs> she's like yeah <laughs> back when yeah, you were <laughs> that one was a little rough like the way he came, like, no, no, the way he be- wait, that <laughs> she would be telling the truth though, and not like trying to be like uh-huh. erasing. I would have voted for for a third term. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? But the way he backpedaled out of the out of the door as he he was going th- and back into the apartment, he took he backpedaled out like, uh, pardon me. She's like, on your world, you were you're a kitchen boy. He's like. No, I was just me. I just uh, I just know how to cook. What the, what the hell? Um, he brings her. Oh, s- and to answer your question about yeah. uh, Serafina, mm-hmm. it's funny because her real name is Ruta. Ruta, yeah. So it's still Ruta. Yeah. Okay. It's the, it's her. It's just that I don't know what they did between seasons. Like they didn't color her hair the same, but it's noticeably lighter in this season. 
uh, he he asks uh, once she realizes uh, that the omelet that she pre- omelet is good. Mm-hmm. She uh, he he will ask. Hey, does he need to eat? I can get him some cheese. He's like, no, but thank you for the offer. She tries to explain again what what a demon is, and he's like, she says he's a part of me. I'm a part of her, or, or I'm a part of him. He's a part of me. And uh, they explain he's been here for three days, and this is I think this is the actual scene where yes, where they say we're better off sticking together from now on. So, uh, so they decide to set up camp at that at the house. She grabs the omelet again, just a hand in her hands, munching on it, and basically calls dibs on things he already called dibs on. She takes his bed and he's like, fine, I, I can sleep downstairs. And they have this awkward kind of, you know, yeah. she's a, you know, 12, 13 year old girl. He's a 14, 15 year old boy. And they're alone and don't have any supervision and he's trying to be an adult and you know he brings her a, a towel and soap and <laughs> tries to explain to her what a shower is later in the episode once he, once he gets the shower to work and he's like yeah uh, how else like she walks on her bed with boots like I don't yeah like, Lyra I, was basically want, they turned her into like a street I, I wanted to smack her like girl, girl I don't care how tomboyish you gotta sleep in that man. right um, but he's like how else do you wash She's like, at a sink or in a tub. He's like, well, this is like the tub standing up. She's like, I don't want to need, <laughs> I don't want to take it. She's basically writing off new things, that thing we do. Right. Uh, but they finally have, like, they have it, they make it, they're comfortable. They're settled. It seems like no one's following them. Uh, she's still unsure of that later she asked Pan because she won't read the alethiometer she's being super stubborn about reading the alethiometer uh, they show Ruta Scotty haul assing through the rain and lightning to 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 Katya to the submarine back to the submarine Coulter's like I'll ask you one more time are you witches traveling between worlds and no answer so uh, she's like, "What did you tell Azrael of what he'd find?" No answer. Then she starts twi- click, click, clicking her tweezers. Like, "Hey, you want some more?" And she's like, "Please, no, no more." And she's like, "Come on, Katya. I know he had a witch lover. He boasted of me. He boasted of it to me all the time." And then Katya's like, "Azrael's of your no cons." Of- isn't your concern and uh, and she says Coulter leans in and says who's my concern trying to keep her talking she's like the prophecy is spoken no matter how powerful you think you are you can't stop it and she's like what about this prophecy can't I stop like gets in her face grabs her by the chin and neck and pulls out another piece of cloud pine and Rudy Scotty's just, and, and her demon's just flying through the clouds, dodging lightning bolts. She tears out another piece of cloud pine. This was when. No, not yet. 
So Katya tells her the prophecy is of a girl named Lyra. So she does give up that info. And Rudy Scotty's like, eyes go wide because she's listening in as she flies in. I guess she has a connection somehow or just like a witch thing. Yeah. And. She's like, I will not betray the child of the prophecy. And Coulter's like, got those tweezers raised up like she's going to like stab her in the neck. She's like, tell me who Lyra Balakwa is. And then Katya looks up and screams for Yambe Akta. Yambe Akta, come to me. Uh, and Sergi, uh, 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 Rudiscati's demon goes, she's called for her. She's ready. And she flies down through the device, whatever the, uh, the chimney, like the vent almost, chimney yeah. of the of the submarine, superhero lands, and then like a puff of smoke underneath uh, Coulter's hand that's coming down to make the stab. She, uh, as a puff of smoke, stabs her. Says, "Yambe Akti." accepts you my child and then she basically neos her way out of that submarine stabs breaks a bunch of necks of soldiers and then finally that let the cardinal makes his way he's trying he's like what the what and the magisterium is going on here and she just comes out of the cut and does basically what seraphina did to uh the woman not doctor, but like the one, the lady that was running Bolvanger, how she kind of like in her like ninja witch uh, uh, fighting at Bolvanger, and then just came up with the with the with the slim implement, stabbed her in the heart, and she basically did the same thing to the cardinal guy. But the cardinal guy is like you know smooth tree fitty, uh, yeah. so he he's not dead. You know having plaque in your heart, uh, you know came came through <laughs> in the clutch this time you know having a little build up uh, double cheeseburger save and then so she takes off back through the chimney and mission accomplished again now only thing is now uh, Coulter knows she's on the right path and knows Lyra is the child of the prophecy and but that's it uh, back in Chittagatze, Lyra's staring at the the lithiometer. Pan's like, "What do you? What would you ask it if you?" She's like, "Why don't you just ask it? What would you ask it if you if you would?" She's like, "If, if Roger forgives me, if my father's still fo- or if Mrs. Coulter's still following me, a couple other questions, basic like questions you she you know she would have in that position." And Pan's like, "Ask her, you daft git." <laughs> You know, or some other UK slang. <laughs> like, just ask the thing. It's never lied. It's never steered us wrong. But that's what she's afraid of. Right. She's like, yeah, and yeah, it didn't. And now Roger's dead because it steered us so right. Um, uh, this is when Will came up and bought her her, her soap and and uh, and towel and. After he got the shower working, and she doesn't want to take a shower, a bath standing up, but she hides the alethiometer from him when she, uh, when he, when he comes up with the soap and the towel. It was pretty slick too. 
Yeah, I mean, she's a slick girl. She knows how to just be deceptive. Be deceptive. That's her. That's her. Uh, that's her special power, <laughs> essentially. Uh, next scene is okay. I, I, I said I wanted to smack her when she walked on the bed in her boots. She's trying mm-hmm. to make breakfast and make eggs. One of the eggs rolls off the counter and falls and breaks on the floor. She crunches the shell down flat and then just spreads all the yolk and gunk around like, well, if it's thinner, it'll dry faster. Like, what kind of... Yeah, that's where you're like, this isn't... That's the logic of like, not that's even the logic of somebody who, who like wipes their ass with their hand. Like you don't uh, do that uh, in in uh, society, in decent. Like, like come on, yeah, come the, on. Like when ugh. you hear stories about like, oh, back in the Dell, back in the founding cities and stuff, and they just would throw their crap out of their window onto the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Like y'all have to walk there too. Right. <laughs> it's that kind of attitude. Like, eh, whatever. It'll dry and there won't be a problem. Like, it'll. Like, let's just spread the salmonella all over the place. And just <laughs> let's set let's set out some food for the pests and rodents. Uh, but she makes what she she tries to make an omelet, and it's horrible. It's it's. Now, granted, she didn't know. It's not like she watched Will make it, and she's kind of going by, I don't know, instinct. But her instinct is garbage. And the omelet, or the eggs, come out terribly. Uh, Better than they did in the book, though. Because in the book, she burnt them. And here, they look pretty undercooked. But they do have the shell uh, still in it. And it's a mess. But Will is polite and and eats it, and uh, they don't get across the fact that Lyra, uh, like enjoyed the hell out of her meal. Like she sat there like super proud in the book, like mm-hmm, I made breakfast for us, yay me. He didn't really get that uh, here. Um, they do walk to the Tower of the Angels. This is when they let you, they remind you that it's 2020 or whatever. It's modern times. And Will mm-hmm. pulls out his cell phone and takes a picture of the Tower of the Angels. Which, you know, I guess we're not supposed to wonder how he's keeping it charged or any of that stuff. Just, <laughs> you know, whatever. He's got his juice back. And uh, they hear... They hear someone, or it sounds like someone, filling up some water. They run around. They run around a the corner. There's an, a grown man trying to fill up like a a bucket or something, and he's just standing there with the bucket under the under the faucet, just standing there, and it's just overflowing, and he's just standing there like an idiot. And Lyra turns him around, looks in his completely dull gray eyes, like or white, like soulless eyes. And they realize, oh, this is a specter-eaten grown-up. Right. And he doesn't look that grown. He looks like maybe he's, you know, in his mid-twenties. 
he's probably one of the dumb ones that didn't like when Angelica said the smart ones ran he probably wasn't as smart he's not like some 16 year old on the cusp and got and got caught up he was grown enough that when they showed up he should have ran like the rest of them or maybe he just didn't have the maybe chance <laughs> um, but they do realize okay specters are the real deal and you know we have to uh, be weary then they hear some screaming and some yelling and a commotion and Will's like those screams aren't human and it's obviously a cat in some real trouble. And then they get to they 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 get to the clearing. They get to like the town square, and it's Angelica, Paula, and a bunch of other urchins tormenting a cat, just for no reason. And she's like, "You ain't from around here. You ain't from Chittagatsi. Maybe he's trying to not get in our way." He's like, "Uh, you know, then I'll I'll get you out of my way or whatever." And then Pan turns into like this Wolverine and snarls at the kids. I think in the book he turned into like a big old cat, like more like Stalmeria. But he got the point across. Snarling fangs and hackles all up. And the kids run off. Uh, but they don't get, they don't, in the book they explain why they're torturing the cat. And they believe the cat's are what was the little excuse she gave? Maybe it has maybe it had something to do with the specters. It was some old like you know, cats are how they the specters get into the city or something. Just some excuse for children to be terrible. Uh and Will saves the cat and the and again Pan snarls them off and they run off. And uh, you know, but they now have enemies. Like obviously Angelica and Paula won't be their allies. It was already tentative at first. Right. Now, like, I'm out. Pull the ripcord. They're they're not. Yeah. Uh, back to the submarine. You've got the Cardinal laid up. Father McPhail checking on him. And this is when uh, uh, Marissa gives him gives McPhail his the hard sell of. We need to get him out of the paint. Right. Thing, it look, like the man won't even acknowledge the damn tear in the universe that everybody can see. Let me be the one to end him. I'll make it look good. Let the sin fall to me, and it'll be my first, uh, it'll be, my, it'll be my first, uh, how did she phrase it? basically like her first gift to him as a leader because she says if he lives the authority wants him to lead but if he dies you know that's going to be up for grabs and uh you know the magisterium is going to need somebody a little firmer than some bloated you know peacock that can't turn down a glass of wine she said i'll explain what happened i explained what happened i made sure you were safe uh, this isn't about trust this is about faith you heard the man He'd seal up the world. He'd try to persuade people that this never happened. And you and I both know this magisterium can't survive. uh, And that it needs you. Uh, And he's... 
you know, obviously considering. He's like, what? And in return for this counsel, like, what do you get? For you know, it's like I give the counsel because I believe this is the right path. And then she explains, I'll, uh, I'll murder the, you know, or continue his, <laughs> you know, uh, he already stabbed. Let me just, uh, I'll tell everybody on the ship that the cardinal uh, has specifically requested to be left alone in prayer, and I will personally tend to his wounds. She's just looking at him. He goes, murder? And looks at the cardinal. Murder. He's like, she says, I will make it my sin. And what's the line? As my first act of service. That's it. And she bows her head to him, like, you know, in this fake deference, because she knows how to, specifically with men, <laughs> specifically with pious men, know how to manipulate them and wrap them around her finger. And that's exactly what she did to Father McPhail here. So, going forward, obviously, Father McPhail is, uh, is being positioned certainly by Marissa Coulter to be the successor to uh, to the current Cardinal. Uh, back at the base of Chittagatze, <laughs> Lyra looks at the lamppost and she says, it's strange that the Ambarics still work. And he's like, the what? Will says, the what? She's like, the Ambaric, those lights. And he says, oh, in my world, we call them electric. She says, Electrum's a stone. I mean, it's a jewel that grows in the gum of trees. And it gets insects stuck in them sometimes. And he goes, oh, you mean mm-hmm. amber. And she's like, so your world's like mine with the world's mix- words mixed up. And he goes, or your world's like mine with all your words mixed up. So that was a cool uh, thing that they bought from the book that I really enjoyed. That, you know, amberic lights... Amber stones, electric lights, electrum stones. It was just like a cool inversion of the worlds. And then they, then Lyra mentions Oxford, and he goes, "I'm from Oxford." And she goes, two Oxfords." And then uh, it's like it got. She asked, "Does it have scholars?" She's like, "Yeah, it's a university." And so she's like, "We need to go to your, your Oxford. Maybe they can give me some answers about dust." Uh, she tried to explain earlier what dust was to Will, um, and she's like, "Please show me the. Can you show me the window? Uh, nobody talks about dust in my world, but maybe in yours, I can get some answers." And uh, yeah, such a strong. Whew. Yeah, this was a good scene. It went from like this light, oh, look at the lights, to <gasps> you know Oxford to. <gasps> Show me the window. We're not, and then he says, "I'm not safe in my Oxford." And the whole time, his like fist is balled up. Like he really did a good job in this scene specifically. Like I didn't think of him as like, you know, MVP or anything acting wise. But he really, specifically in this scene, bought it with the tension, the way he reacted to her. You know, mention bringing up Oxford, and then she does say, "You got it. You do have a demon." even if you don't know it. And he goes, can you see it? She says, no, not yet, but I will. That's not something from the book, but it is a, uh, it is a, uh, not a call forward. It's uh, something you should just uh, keep in mind. So Lyra does find, she 
gets herself in the shower. She takes her stand-up bath. And then we get panda, red panda pant, pantaliming. And it's, uh, and it's like the cutest thing. Uh, it just makes you wonder, how does he know that form? Uh, Will gets his leather leather pouch, and that he with all the letters from his dad, and he goes outside to to read, and then he has like this like flash of the knife, or oh, I'm sorry, at this point it's of a knife, and it's juxtaposed to Lyra reading the uh, the alethiometer and she asks who is Will Perry I think is how she framed it mm-hmm. he's like what is he and Lyra's like the murderer so and then and they don't just the little things and maybe they'll do it in the next episode but when in the book when she f- says he's a murderer Oh, she does say just like Yorick here. So they kind of get across. That's my bad. She does kind of have the, a similar reaction to, hey, Yorick was a murderer. I trusted him. Like she understands right. just because you're a quote unquote murderer and he's only a quote unquote. I don't even think that's fair to call him a murderer. He didn't kill that guy. That guy tripped over yeah. the cat in the banister. Will was just trying to, you know, just scared him and startled him, and he fell over the thing and you know, broke his neck or back or something. He didn't kill the guy. The guy died by hex. A guy was break. So she she figures out, yeah, he's a murderer, but like she's starting to realize everything's not black and white, and she says just like. He's the good kind, like the good kind of murderer, <laughs> just like Yorick. Uh, and at the same time, outside, Will's reading his uh, his father's notes and the letters to him, and he gets a flash, like, of a knife, and he's pulled to the tower. At the same time, you hear the voiceover of Lyra still talking to Pan like I have a feeling he he's he's here for a reason and he has something to do here I think we both do and at the same time Will is walking back to the Tower of the Angels uh, just staring at it kind of breathing hard looking at the spiral spire like the tip of the thing I don't know if it's supposed to you know represent a knife or the knife or whatever but they focus on the spire and the episode ends with the most the creepiest it looked like liquid spider legs like hairy tarantula legs in liquid form (laughs) like liquid smoke spider legs and it was like in a non-discernible form, just in these weird, smoky, you know, billowing, whatever, behind Will, and the episode just ends. Whew! So yes, uh, uh, Seraphina Pecola is still played by Ruta Jedmentis, or Gedmentis. And Ruta Scotty is played by Jade 
Onakua. Oh no, I'm sorry. Onoku. I can't pronounce. I'm butchering her name. I'm sorry. Yeah. Miss Queen. Queen's gonna find out. She ain't gonna be happy. <laughs> I heard this Demon Dust podcast butchering my name. Uh, so yeah, that's the episode one. The City of Magpies, and boy oh boy, was that a quality premiere. Again, tiny little things that they did differently from the book. Or some not so tiny, some pretty overt, bigger things, but none of them were like, ugh, deal breaker. Right. Uh, they stayed true, pretty true to the books. They stayed true to Pal- uh, Angelica and Paula and it's just the Chittagatsi, Chittagatsi street urchins. Uh, Coulter, Mrs. Coulter is still just an evil gem of... of ju- she she wins. Until... Until... Uh, um, What's-his-face shows back up and, and brings Sexy back to his Dark Materials. She's probably going to win all the, like, who's the MVP acting-wise, who had the best yeah. performance. Because she was tremendous. I mean, and it's really just based on... The witch interaction, the torture stuff, and then that scene with Father McPhail. I guess her early scene with the with all the priests and cardinals too. Just every time she's on screen, it's just you have to stop, you have to pay attention, and and listen very closely to what she's saying because she doesn't. Uh, she's not a a giant personality on the screen, but all her words and everything just carry so much weight. She's just she's great. Man, she's the perfect Mrs. Coulter, man. I, mm. We're two se- we're a season in already. We're on season two. And it's, I'm still raving about how that was just a brilliant casting move. And that's not something I typically fawn over. Oh, this person played them so well. She's just perfect. Perfect! Mm-hmm. For what we need. Like, Nicole Kidman, who? Like, there's a thread in one of the groups about... Uh, about that same argument of oh I didn't think the movie was so bad and blah blah all this you know nonsense like the movie was trash oh, oh people get stuck on the casting they love Daniel Craig they love uh what's his face that played Lee Scoresby Sam uh what's his Sam name Neil? Sam Neil Sam Neil is that his name yeah they ugh. But the movie was trash, and he go the the guy that op the guy that posted goes, I just like how they stayed true to the book. I was like, and my my contribution to the thread was, yeah, remember in the book how all three of our main characters floated off happy in a in a, in a balloon? I loved how they stayed true to that. Oof. Like, what are you talking about? They stayed true to the book. <sighs> yeah, but this is why you don't argue with people on Facebook. But see, uh, but yes. Thumbs all the way up for, for for this episode. I am thoroughly impressed uh, by the direction, at least so far, with uh, where season two is, with how they seems like they're going to treat the subtle knife as a as a season. And um, yeah, I'm 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 really excited to go forward. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I thought this was a great episode. Uh, I really, really... I, I had to watch it, I think... Uh, I watched it two and a half times. Mm-hmm. Because the first time I made the mistake of 
uh, there was stuff going on in the house. And so I was trying to take care of that while watching. And so much was missed when I watched it the second time when yeah. I saw Ruth talking. Like, I heard the words, but I didn't see the menace or I didn't see the duplicity behind it mm-hmm. because you're not looking at her as she's saying them. And so, yeah, that 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 she's she's a lot. She is going to be a force this season. Uh, we haven't yet run into the issue you've been afraid of throughout this season, which is Will and Lyra uh, running into time versus like real lifetime and aging up. Well, yeah. we so far they look pretty, you know, it's not all of a sudden like, oh, hey, hold up. Is this this isn't season two of right. Game of Thrones when when Brand's, Brandon Stark. I I thought because I binged it once season four finished, I started the series for the first time, and then when season two started, I was like, oh, they recast the the youngest uh, Stark kid, huh? The one that fell out of the window or was pushed out of the window. Mm-hmm. Too that's too bad. Then I realized like two or three episodes, I'm like, wait, that's the same kid. He's just <laughs> growing. Yeah, and obviously by season eight, he was, you know. <laughs> Six eight, six eight, you know, dunking on people <laughs> in his chair. I'm the king of the north. Squeak, squeak, squeak. <laughs> wow. See, I'm the one with the reputation. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. You said My a lot. man was supposed to be. He was supposed to be carried for a smooth three seasons. They're like, yeah, we're done. I can't. Especially carry after what's his face shoulder. They killed off uh, Hodor in season six. Yeah. Like, we can't have this man just get pulled around by Myra, Myrna, whatever. Or Myra, yeah. No, that ain't gonna work. So, we did get an email. Uh, okay. Back in January, it was after our season finale episode, so we didn't get to talk about it, but I saved it. It was dated January 23rd, uh, or around that time, uh, from our listener, Steven. He says, hi, sorry I'm late to the party. I just finished watching the show in like two days, going in cold and catching up on your podcast. Besides bears and the fact that they talk, do wild animals exist? So his his subject is demons versus animals. Do people eat what their demon is? LOL. Like, if someone has a pig demon, would they be happy if the human ate bacon? (laughs) I cannot believe in all the years that we've talked about this book and we've talked about demons and consciousness and dust, we never brought up if you have a bird demon, what if your bird settles as a turkey? <laughs> All of a sudden, Thanksgiving is like out of the question. <laughs> oh, I just thought about like, what if you have like a carrot? If you have like a Caribbean slant, like you might have somebody that has a goat, but it, are you going to eat curry goat? Are you going to eat oxtail? <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, can Lee Scoresby have himself some rabbit stew and Hester not take serious offense? Yeah, woof. I mean, rabbit stew, especially in these types of shows. Especially in England. Yeah, yeah, that is a regular dish. 
<laughs> it's like, well, it ain't not hashtag not all rabbits. Like, not all you, rabbits. So in in the last latest Daniel Schinhofen series, Binding Words, there are um uh what are they called? Uh blood blood beasts or they're like ha- half like cat folks and rabbit folks mm-hmm. and dog dog people. Um but there's a a, a, a bird one and she came but got bought into the family and she was like the the maid the cook was like I um I had to since we're having a guest I switched up dinner at the last moment and we're having salad she's like we're not having the foul stew that we that we were scheduled to have and the bird lady goes hmm I love me some foul stew. She's, and then the cook goes, instead, we're having a salad with bits of fruit and stuff in it. And she goes, oh. Like the, the bird lady's like, oh, I, I need... She looks at the, the main character's like, look, my diet requires that I have meat every day. So... <laughs> and then the cook looks at her like, oh. Oh, Okay. I, I, can't, I can't run into because you know she just thought she was going to offend her having foul stew and she's like I love eating other birds like are you kidding you think a condor won't eat a bird that's like their 75% of their uh, diet is other birds like stop it so yes well, that's like if you ever watched uh, Bojack Horseman mm-hmm. there's a running bit about people going and because the animals in Bojack Horseman are interspersed with humans yeah. so there isn't like a difference but they'll go to restaurants and people are like ordering like bake like a pig would <coughs> order bacon and it's like who are you to judge like and they're like <laughs> it's just freaky yeah it was not something you would think well about a pig until... will eat another pig do not that, that's that is something that Yes, they will. Matter of fact, in Red Dead, if you're like robbing a a pig pen and you're like slaughtering mm-hmm. the pigs to 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 skin and sell and stuff, if you if there's like six or something in a pen and you stab one and you know kill or lasso one, kill it, lasso the other, kill it. Behind you, one will start nibbling on the dead ones. Like, yeah, um, like man, that was like your your kin. What you doing? Like, hey. I'm, let this good meal go by. <laughs> so pigs will eat anything. They throw bodies. Like supposedly the mafia has thrown you know people in pig pens, and I'm sure yeah, like not farmers. just the mafia, like uh, you know pig farmers and and all over. That's like yeah, that's a big yeah. Then talked about secret, and I'm sure <laughs> where the Jim Bob go missing. I don't know what you're talking about. I've never yeah. heard of that. <laughs> it's like, I don't know about that dude that played for a team and stuff happened in Philly. Uh, I can't remember his name. So this is the views of Travis Bryant here, y'all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, Stephen, I, know my- I, I, don't, I don't think the demons would have a problem because they're more human than they are the animal. It's just, you know... I'm looking at my answer to Stephen back in January. Ooh, great questions. We'll answer them on a few podcast on a future podcast in the next few weeks. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, 43 weeks is a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. You know, Stephen's like now started his own like podcast exploring yeah. this. Like, subject. how dare they not answer my question? I want to do my own thing. 
So be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, thanks for that, Stephen. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I give the show all the thumbs up. I can't wait for next week. Oh, before we go, and speaking of next week, I, we are on an eight-day delay in the states. Like the it, the show premiered on the like the eighth in the UK. Mm-hmm. And we're getting it here on the 16th, which is today. We're recording it after the show aired. We we both have had access to it all week, but man, that sucks. It was it's one thing to be a day behind, like it aired in the UK on Sunday last season, and then they would play it Monday here in the states. All right, I I can do. I I get why, but eight days. What's the rationale? I don't I don't understand what. I, I think yeah. I figured it out while we were looking earlier. Mm-hmm. So remember what I said about how we should give credit to HBO for helping pay for that studio and whatever. Sure. I was wrong. That studio was created with Doctor Who money. Bad Wolf Productions made that themselves to make sure people would never have to leave the UK and have a quality studio. You wouldn't have to have, go to Hollywood to get a Hollywood quality studio. So they did everything on the front end. HBO just cut a check. So that's the price we pay for American imperialism and entertainment. <laughs> All right, I guess I'll take that. Because it's a basically it is a uh, hundred and forty-two thousand square foot studio, like five different, six different sets, mm-hmm. and they used all of it's like all their stuff. And so the the production company that obviously came up with Doctor Who or the remake of Doctor Who, and then they later now have done the Dark Materials. They're just like, yeah, we, we're going to use this. Y'all cut the check, and you'll get it in a week. <laughs> it's like, can we actually get it? No, you'll get it in a week. Yeah. We, we said a week. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, next week, I didn't see the previews, but just knowing the story... I, I like the all episode. Every time they looked at the Tower of the Angels, I was waiting for Tulio to stick his head out of one of the windows and <laughs> and for Lyra to to notice him. So I have to assume that happens in the next episode. And I bet the episode. I don't think they get through the whole thing. I don't think Will loses his fingers or anything. You know, I don't think the whole story of the Tower of the Angels and uh, oh, what is my man's name? Uh, oh, my Z- brain stopped. I know who you're talking about. Zibidel. Oh, yeah. The original bearer of the, or not the original, but the last bearer of the knife. Um, I don't think that entire story gets told. Tomorrow or, or next week, but uh, but I think uh, it, it, the episode probably will end with with them entering the tower or the confrontation beginning, um, and maybe a little maybe a little cliffhanger kind of kind of deal. It's not bad at all. Jackamore, not at a BZ. That's from. Ah, uh, it's Jackamore something to d- 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 beezy. But it's, his first name is definitely Jackamore. Gosh. 
It's going to bug me if I don't. Ah. All right, enough. But, okay. I think uh, I think that does it for us here. Um, if you were interested in dropping us a line, there's many ways you can do that. And you can find us on Twitter, at D-Dust Podcast. Drop us a line there. Interact with us there. I'm pretty... Uh, pretty uh, hands-on and we'll interact with all our listeners over on Twitter so please at DDust podcast give us a follow and uh, and talk to us about the episodes and about the books you can find us on tw- on uh, on an email drop us an email at uh, DDust podcast at gmail.com or you can always drop us a voicemail at 415-787-5229 you got three unadulterated minutes to uh, to ask questions and post comments again about the, the show the books, anything His Dark Materials we are here for it uh, so please choose one of those options or all three reach out and contact us um, but until next time for Richard Fan. I'm Travis Bryant, and this has been another episode of the Demon Dust Podcast. We out of here. Thanks, everybody. The Demon Dust Podcast is hosted by Travis Bryant and Rich Fan II, and is produced by Cameron Hawkins for the South Congress Podcast Network.